Okay, on today's podcast, we are going to be talking about the future of Canadian real estate and a few of the factors that are significant drivers of that are immigration, government policy. What else? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, those are the two biggest ones. Yeah, that's basically the the main uh, drivers here that, mm-hmm. that are going to push the market higher over the coming 20, 30 years. But um, yeah, so we'll take kind of a broad view and and basically, I guess my point uh, here on the podcast is people that are investing in Canadian real estate should feel very confident owning property here over the next 20 to 30 years because of um, the projected population growth, because of our policies, uh, because of the livability of Canada as a whole and the demand for immigration, um, sorry, for immigrants to come to this country is insatiable. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, we could grow our population as much as we wanted because mm-hmm. people want to live in Canada. So um, we can kind of get into uh, all those factors. And let's start with number one. Like it's not it's not hard to project um, demand for f- for future real estate when you understand two basic principles, which is um, dem- um, supply versus projected population growth. So right now across Canada, there's not enough housing. Mm-hmm. Is the population of Canada going to be higher in 20 to 30 years than it is now? Well, let's talk about number one, that article that you just sent me yeah so it's um it's it's we'll not yeah it, we'll post it too we'll post a link in the yeah, description we'll post below. A link to it, but it's, it's Jesse, very, put, put like a screenshot yeah, up on it is it's, it's very simple math this is the canadian uh government's yeah. projections as well for for canada's population o- over the next i think they got like 30 years in here but um so i'll, I'll just read it right from the website um according to selected scenarios the population by 2036 in canada will be be between 40 and 47 million people we're currently at about 37 million mm-hmm. plus or minus. Um, let's split the difference there and let's say that we hit something like 44 million by 2036. That's an increase of, of what, six, seven, eight million people. Mm-hmm. Eight million, like it doesn't sound like that big of a number, but for a small country like on Canada, a percentage basis, on a percentage basis, eight that, million is massive. significant for Canada. And then when you factor in just the common sense reality that we don't have enough houses as it is, where yeah. are these people going to live? Yeah. Okay. And then we also factor in that replacement costs, land costs, and building costs are incredibly high, and all the new supply is going to be expensive. Um, you know, you can see how this housing crisis really has no no hope of of really being fixed. Mm-hmm. As an investor, um, this is just logic, right? Like, like I always say, I'm and, not and, a- and and I think I think one of the important factors is the housing crisis has almost no shot of being fixed simply because. Uh, especially because of government policies and the restrictions that they 100%. have. So, so yeah. the only way to combat this would be to build a massive amount of housing very quickly yeah. and to keep pace with the population mm-hmm. growth, which the which government does not allow us to do. They they do the exact opposite. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's just by twenty thirty six. So, if we yeah. go further into this, um, is it actually explained right in the? They project out further. Yeah. Wow. So by 2061, they have a projection of 43 million to 63 million. So that's a pretty broad projection. 63 million. 63 million. Like you know, they wow. have an aggressive yeah, case yeah, scenario, yeah. base case, and yeah, a low, yeah, yeah. low case. So again, if you split the difference between 40 and 63, you come up with something like 50, whatever. Yeah. Again, 50 million people. That's almost a double double of our current population. Mm. And again, we have a government that doesn't understand business and keeps. It's almost like they don't want anybody to get rich, so mm-hmm. they don't want developers to get rich. They want to put restrictions on them. They want to tax everybody um, to the to the hilt where it's you just can't do anything cheaply. Mm-hmm. So because of that socialist ideology, everything's going to be expensive. So yeah. I always say I'm not an optimistic uh, optimist or pessimist. I'm a realist. Um, realistically, if you have a growing population that's possibly going to double in the next thirty years, with realistically what our government how they operate this country, realistically, we can expect prices to be significantly higher uh, in the next 30 years than they are now. Now, we always hear the old saying, like, all prices can't keep going up, right? And I mean, I understand why people say that because uh, at some point it it gets a little bit ridiculous. But in reality, like, if if you would have said um, 30 years ago that the average sale price in in the GTA would be 1.1 million or whatever it is, people would have been like, no way, in 30 Mm -hmm. years, that's not going to happen. What are we going to be saying in 30 years about uh, Canadian real estate? Like, is it possible that the average sale price is 2 million, 2.5 million um, with inflation and all these other things? 
a million dollars now isn't what it was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, if you're if you're a millionaire, like you're done for life. You're set for life. Mm -hmm. If you're a millionaire now, doesn't go as far. I don't think you're really no. set. I think you got to keep working. Yeah, you got to you got to sure. you got to Two, Depends three, on your four, lifestyle five million. Too, yeah, yeah I guess on your you lifestyle could, too, but yeah, it's, it's just, not enough. It's significantly less buying power than it was before. So, yeah. so when we see a million dollar, like we're we're on the path to a million dollar average sale price in Windsor in the next 10, 20 years, yeah. easily. Fuck, maybe well I think it's, that. I think that's a stretch. Even yeah. I think it's going to happen before that. The million dollar price range in Windsor right now is the most competitive market. There's sixteen <sighs> yeah. offers on a one point one million dollar property uh, in LaSalle last night. Are 16 you offers. serious? Sixteen. Um, wow. so yeah, it's become the most competitive. Um, wow. Yeah. Because all those people that have sold their $700,000 house that they bought for 300,000 yeah. now have four five, $600,000 to go put down. It's no big deal. Right. Holy shit. Yeah. So, um, it, it's those million dollar prices are skyrocketing, right? Last year that place would have sold for, I don't know, maybe seven, 800,000. Now it's going to be 1.5 million, right? Like we're seeing, uh, one of my clients told me that, um, they estimated the value of their house increased by one or two hundred thousand dollars over two weeks, and they're in a, a million dollar kind of neighborhood in Where's two that? weeks, uh, like the Seven Lakes area. Really? So in, in two weeks, right? But that's what's happening here now. This has already happened in man, many other cities, not just in Canada, but across the world, right? Yeah. You go to certain cities in Australia. You go to uh, OS BC. You go anywhere in the GTA. This has been happening globally. Uh, for a long time. So Windsor people are like, oh, this is crazy. This can't happen in Windsor. This doesn't make sense. But yes, it can. It already happens. Yeah, it, it's already happened. It's already happened. And it's happening. Yeah. But people think like this is going to run out sometime soon. Well, it hasn't stopped in Toronto for 20 years. Yeah. It's never stopped in like Sydney, Australia. Fuck, did you even see the, did you even see the, uh, the, uh, the info coming out about the Toronto condo market, how it's like already recovered? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. It's just, it's common yeah. sense, right? Where, okay, so you leave your condo, where are you going to go live? Yeah. You're going to buy a single family house in the GTA? Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So uh, eventually that's going to correct itself. It, it corrected itself much more quickly than even I thought. Yeah. But I, I figured it would correct itself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's a shortage of housing across Ontario. You literally have nowhere to go. Yeah. You literally have nowhere to go. And then housing's a... Mm -hmm. uh, um, a basic human need. So mm -hmm. you're going to go live somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, so just think logically here. Population is going to be higher in 30 years significantly. Um, we have no supply. Prices will be higher in 30 years than they are now. And whenever I'm buying a piece of real estate, that's always in the back of my mind is 30 years, 20 years, 30 years. What's the projection of our current market? Mm. Now let's talk about, you know, as much as we complained about Canada, um, the where people want to live is all relative, right? I'm mm -hmm. going to compare if I'm in, if I'm going to try to immigrate, emigrate out of my country, and I'm going to choose somewhere to go. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to choose, mm -hmm. right? Are you going to choose somewhere that's welcoming to immigrants that makes them, you know, um, we have a what is it, a melting pot kind of ideology where mm -hmm. you can come here and, and, sorry, not a melting pot, yeah, melting, yeah, yeah, melting pots, yeah. Pretty so much, you just yeah. you come in, you integrate into society. Nobody cares, right? Yeah, you can practice your religion, you can do whatever you yeah. want. Um, so it makes immigrants feel welcome. I, I bet you it's not the same uh, in other countries, right? Mm. Even in the U.S., it's not the same. That mm. I think that's going to change, but... Yeah, which is... Which, yeah. I don't think a lot of people actually realize this, though. Canada is actually more difficult to immigrate to than the U.S. I remember you saying this. I, I found wild. that kind of hard to yeah, believe, but yeah. It actually is. Do you have any reasons for that? I don't, I don't have reasons, but I, I've, I've actually, uh, you know, because we, we have hired immigrants in the past, and... Um, you actually have to, if you're immigrating into Canada, you actually have to fall. Like it's like a point system I heard. So, um, I haven't looked into it too much, but at the end of the day, that, that is what I yeah, have heard. And we can understand. Well, like, one, I'll give you an example. Let me give you an oh, example. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so for example, if, if you are a certain age, you get a specific amount of points. If you are, or a doc, either at a, like you either get points or you get docked points. I don't remember. I don't yeah. exactly know what it is, but if you're a specific age, uh, if you're younger, you're more likely to uh, be accepted. If you're uh, higher educated, you're more likely to be accepted. If you're a student or whatever, like there's certain caveat, or I, I even think it go, comes down to like what country it is. Like it's actually fairly difficult to mm. actually immigrate into Canada. Yeah. And, so, and you so, got to think too. And I don't mean like difficult in terms of like, I, I, I shouldn't say difficult. I, I, I should say that the Canadian government only allows or only wants to allow 
or historically or whatever has put things in place where the people coming into the country will, they, they want the Canadian government actually wants them to be able to contribute. Yeah. And which is actually sound, amazing. Yeah. A sound decision. Exactly. by the government, One of the yeah. few. Yeah. And I don't, again, that might be actually, I, I might be completely. Oh, you're, you're probably right. We probably get the best immigrants from around the world. <clears throat> it's maybe. probably a very strong immigration yeah. program. And the reason is because we don't have a big population. So yeah. they can only let so many people in. Sure. In the U S they can probably let in 10, 10 times more people because yeah. you have so much more, um, resources, resources land, and possibility. Like you can go to 52 different States. Yeah. You know, in Canada, we don't have that many cities to go mm-hmm. to. We don't have enough housing and all those things. So they have to be yeah. strict on their policy, although yeah. they've gotten a little bit loose. Yeah. Uh, not in terms of the quality, but in terms of the quantity mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. So my, and well, that's another- quality too. Pretend, I don't- The, the problem yeah. is like, is, well, what, from what it seems like, it seems like a lot of the people that are coming into the country, they're not being vetted. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's what it well, seems like. Well, I know like. there are certain things, like I know they've really loosened the student program where people are coming in the over. US? No, in Canada. Oh, okay. So you can get here pretty easily on a student visa. Okay. And these students that come here from these other countries, they come here to live, right? Yeah. They're and not they going back. Enter on a student visa. Yeah. Now that's still pretty good. You're still mm-hmm. coming here and going through a four year education program. You obviously yeah. speak English. You obviously have a work ethic. Yeah. And that type of thing. But uh, you know, you're. I'm not here to argue the policy. Yeah. My point is, you're letting in four hundred thousand people a year mm-hmm. uh, in a in a system where we don't have enough houses. Yeah. And where Canadians are fighting for jobs, and now you have more competition mm-hmm. from non-Canadian natural citizens. Mm-hmm. That's that's the debate. The debate, right? Yeah. Now, I don't give a damn one way or another. As a real estate investor, what does that tell me? Mm-hmm. Let's let's start buying real estate. We don't we don't have enough. And yeah. then the projected population growth and the projected supply shortage gives me confidence uh, to own those properties. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said too. Like we get the best immigrants. Again, people think that that there's two different programs. There's a refugee program where mm-hmm. you can come from a a war torn country or, mm-hmm. or whatever have you, and Canada will take you in a certain number of people. Yeah, we do have, uh, you know, refugees that come in, but most of our immigration policy is, like you said, it's very strict. You Which I didn't know criteria. either. I didn't yeah. actually realize that, mm. to be quite honest. And, and mathematically, I think these people are, you know, as a government, they're saying, hey, if we bring in these this many people, our GDP will grow X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z. It's going to increase productivity. It's going to increase mm-hmm. the labor, labor force. It is an investment mm-hmm. from a country. The problem is we just don't have enough housing. Yeah. So they didn't combat their immigration policy with a housing strategy. Mm-hmm. And they still haven't. Yeah, I know. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people argue, I've heard this argument too, while, while, uh, you know, when, when comparing to the U S and, you know, Canada actually has a larger landmass overall and this and that, but Canada has a larger landmass overall, but Canada has a lot of unusable land. Unusable. It's unlivable. People yeah. don't want to live. No, you can't there. like, it, it's like fucking Arctic. Like yeah. who the fuck? And you gotta, knows? you gotta think too. It's not easy. You don't have the infrastructure no. in these random no. pieces of land. You can't, no. ex- you have to expand your cities you can't just go build a new city, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. there's no infrastructure. It would it, it would be cost prohibitive. You can't mm-hmm. do it. So we only have live in a fucking igloo or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like like that might be possible. Hundred percent. But, but we don't have a lot of cities yeah. here. So and that's another benefit for owning real estate. Like mm-hmm. you can just own real estate anywhere across Canada, and there's probably not enough supply. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Now again, I'm going to focus on good cities or cities with potential. I'm not going to mm-hmm. typically go some small town because they yeah. don't have. Uh, major population drivers and yeah, the fundamentals you know, don't exist. And population, people got to think too. It not only drives rent, sorry, it doesn't only drive prices; it drives rent too mm-hmm. over time, right? So, you know, a lot of these smaller cities, you go there and get initially, you initially get higher cash flow because your prices are cheaper, but the rents rise more slowly. Mm-hmm. Your prices rise more slowly. Well, these other cities are like accelerating both rents and appreciation much mm-hmm. more quickly. You make yeah. way more money the bigger cities than you do in the smaller cities over 20 or 30 years. Yeah, of course. People don't have that perspective, Mm. generally speaking, but yeah. So what about, what about talking about the uh, increased rates? So this is like a big thing right now. People are Uh, talking about interest rates. Yeah. Interest rates. People are talking about, Oh my God, the market's going to crash or increasing interest rates. And I'm just like, guys, like what the fuck are we talking about here? Like 20, 25 basis points. Like you think the yeah. market's going to crash twenty five well, fucking basis points? Well, I think people. This is what. Or, or is it? Is it the rates? The rates are uh, increasing a little bit. That's the qualifying rate and the qualifying that's rate the qualifying as well. Rate. Yeah. So, but also, yeah. and then the t- the stress test is also increasing a little bit too. Yeah, that's that yeah. is the stress test basically. The qualifying the rate. Qualifying okay, rate. Okay. So, yeah. so then, so I, so I did talk to you know the banks that I use that I work with considerably with, 
Um, they are talking about like, yeah, their their rates are increasing or have increased. I don't know if they have or they did it. Or, yeah, I think they did, right? Didn't they will. They? they will. But here's what people fear. This I don't is remember what, exactly if they said they did or they ha- they will. They are. The banks are increasing the rates yeah. slowly. But here's what people think is going to happen. They think the Bank of Canada, who sets the rates, are going to come out and like raise them to 5 or 6% overnight. Yeah, that that's what they happen. think. And then they're going to crash the economy. No, no, no. Do you think that the federal government wants... The economy to crash. They don't do. They don't want the economy to crash under anybody's watch. If you actually yeah. even notice, um, I, 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 you know, and maybe I'm wrong with, with saying this, but it seems to it seems to be that whenever like this kind of shit happens too, it's right around election time. They'll start pulling out like really weird shit, yeah, so that yeah. so that if it works really well and they lose the election, they can blame it on the fact that, like. You see what I mean? Like they, yeah. they, 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 they can play like both sides, right? And then if somebody comes into a shit show, then they just blame it on the party that, yeah, that left a, them with the shit show. But if it nightmare. really works, then the party that lost can say, oh my God, well, the economy's doing really well because of us instituting this. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a mess. So, so I don't expect anything to happen at least for another couple of years, number yeah. one. Well, and they've then, already announced that they don't plan on no, raising rates. No, and even and, and even in the, even in the, the announcements that they're announcing, it's not enough to change anything. No, it really isn't. Close, and even close. if it does change anything, the people that can't fucking afford houses, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. They're yes, they're going to rent. End, end of story. So what does yeah. it matter? Yeah, people are under this, like, again, uh, you know how many times I've heard, like, oh, back in, uh, I don't know, 1980s, they raised rates to 17%, and they think that's going to happen again. Yeah, how fucking long did that take? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter how long it took, it's just not going to happen again. Yeah. It's not going to fucking happen again. We're in a different world. Well, like even I, if it does, how long did that actually take? I don't know, and I don't care, Let's because it's not going to happen. I'm super curious. <laughs> Let's fucking see. And I, I posted a quote the other day where it was like, um, you know, the poor people tend to stay trapped in the past mm-hmm. and and um, wealthy people are busy like predicting the future. Yeah. So people that are predicting this 17% interest rate rise, again, you're just trapped in what happened in the, in the past time. You're not looking forward to um, trying to predict what will happen. Yeah. And if, you're, you're, if you think rates will ever go up to that level again, I just think, I think... 1935 till today. So... 1978, they were 8.2%. And in 1980, so it did actually increase considerably within the, in two years. Uh, 1981, they were 21.25%. But they actually decreased faster than they increased. In 1983, uh, they came back down to 115 And they have been historically... Under 5% since 2010, 11 years. Like, what are we talking about here? And even, even, even around, uh, let's say 2001, we're talking about 4%. It jumped up 2007, 2008 to 6.25, still not enough. Like, that's not a big increase. Like, a 1% or 2% increase is not big. So, since 2001, to 2021, so 20 years, it's been around 5%. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like which that's, is digestible for most oh, people. for sure. And let me tell you why it's digestible. The, the, the fucking banks, stress test is The what? banks are already qualifying you for at sure. 5. Exactly. So like, it's not so, even a factor. So let's say it does go up to 5. I'm not, that's possible. I yeah. just, it's not going to go to 17 or no. 10, or they're not going to do something to crash the economy. Well, if you look at, like, that was the only time it ever even, around then, was like in the 80s. Around in the 80s, yeah, the 80s. It, over over the course of like almost a fucking hundred year period, eighty years, it was only in the eighties that it increased to even over even remotely over ten percent. Yeah, yeah. That so was, one, and it was only time. a blip in in, yeah. in, in history. That's the, that was an anomaly. That's yeah. not normal, course, and yeah. it's not ever going to happen. Fucking, What's normal is five percent, <clears throat> yeah, or so, plus or minus, right? Exactly. Like, so, yeah. fine, go ahead and predict that. But yeah. Uh, the fundamentals of real estate don't change with that, mm-hmm. which goes back to supply and demand. Yeah, that, that's that's all there is to it. Yeah. As long as supply and demand is out of whack, prices will rise. Mm-hmm. End of story. So you'd have to raise rates to such a prohibitive level that you people can't afford housing. Mm-hmm. But like you said, okay, say they do that. I'm a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. They've raised rates to five percent. I'm fine. I got thirty properties. Mm-hmm. I can still go buy more. Who gets hammered by those policies? Mm-hmm. The middle class and the poor mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and they're going to go rent. 
I just leased my own personal residence because I'm moving. I had it on the marketplace. You know how many call, um, calls I got from good people? 50 or 60 in two or three days. Really? Eh? And I got a nurse and another person uh, with a good job that are moving in a young couple. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, well, Rick, uh, you know, well, why don't you just go buy them? I'm like, oh yeah, the average sale price here is 600 grand. Maybe they don't want to like they're, you Did know, you like, actually ask them that? No, no, I didn't. But I, I, in my, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but like, um, I hear that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was one of the people that came to look at it said to me, um, I, now is not the time to buy. I was waiting before and I kind of missed out. And I think she thought that the, that it was an anomaly like two or three years ago that prices will slow down. You know what? Like, I bet your parents said something. Yeah. All these non-experts come in and tell their kids, mm-hmm. oh yeah, now's not the time. Wait for the market to crash. And they don't listen to like reason. And she basically missed her window and she had a good job too. And now she's out renting. She'll probably never afford a house on a single income mm-hmm. unless you go to a small town, mm-hmm. which most people aren't willing to do. Mm-hmm. So she might be a lifetime renter. and She's mm-hmm. got a 750 credit score. She makes good income and she won't be able to buy a house. Mm. Now, how, oh, there's going to be so many people like that in the future. You're going to have such a good tenant pool to choose from in Canada because of the market imbalances that like, I want to own as many rental properties as, as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's Canada specifically. And then, you know, we always like to touch on the States because we're, you know, trying to diverse, diversify and look over there. Yeah. Look at what's happening in Canada right now take it and plop it over to the States because it's, yeah, we're like, it's going to happen. Yeah. We're like five, 10 years ahead of the curve. Yeah. In terms of uh, immigration policies, socialist policies, red tape restrictions, but the big ones really uh, the immigration policy again, the U S yes. I think it's, I think it's huge. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like I said, Trump shut it down. It was hard to go work over there. It was Mm -hmm. hard to come from a different country. It was Mm -hmm. hard to get a student visa. He really was for uh, protecting the borders Mm -hmm. and, um, that slows population growth. Yeah. And population growth drives real estate prices. Mm-hmm. We know that the new administration is the complete opposite. Again, mm-hmm. not here to debate immigration policy. Mm-hmm. Don't care. Mm-hmm. But I do want to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what? What? one of the other main drivers is restrictions. Yeah. Red tape. Yeah. And taxation. Yeah, these are all these are all um, policies that are that end up getting put in place by uh, a, a typical socialist style government, which is what we have in Canada. And we might just be ahead of the curve, or even of the of a different mindset than a typical American, because we see what is done to our country, mm-hmm. and we can see it uh, ha- happening over in the U.S. It, it's it's materializing. It's it's fucking rearing its ugly head over in the U.S. as well. So. That's why we're like so, um, so motivated to to do things over in the U.S. Yeah, because, because we they haven't the writing realized on the wall. it yet. Yeah, we see the writing on the wall over there. They haven't realized yeah. it yet. We have, and yeah. our conversations with people down there told us that. Yeah. Oh, I just had a bidding war when I was trying to buy my house. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it'll slow down though. They said, they said, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah, I think it's going to cool down. I think yeah. one of them said, I'm just going to wait and then buy something next year. The same yeah. thing we've been hearing for a decade mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, shoot, we're still early here. Yeah. Because they don't know. Yeah. Exactly. They don't know what's coming. Exactly. And uh, also, you know, the pandemic fueled um, a shift in people's way of living and yeah. mindset. And mm-hmm. that's forever. Yeah. Because once I realize I don't have to be tied to my city, I don't have to be tied to my job, I don't have to be tied to my condo in downtown Manhattan where I'm paying. $3,000 a month for 700 mm-hmm. square feet. I don't have to be tied to this bad weather. People's minds have been freed from their um, enslavement to a location. Yeah. And they become more mobile. And that's why Windsor's blown up mm-hmm. and everywhere uh, outside the GTA along the corridor. Mm-hmm. And the same thing's happening in the US. Well, where are they going? Well, we can find out. The data is readily available. Yeah. We know where they're going. They're going south. They're going where it's warm. They're going where there's no state tax. They're yeah. going, like, it's so obvious. Yeah. And again, we're not, like, this is just so obvious to yeah, people. Yeah, super logical. Yes, but people, in, investors that are inexperienced are not logical. Mm-hmm. They're emotional and they're still full of fear. Mm-hmm. Just invest on a, on logic. Mm-hmm. Like, go buy real estate in these states. Mm-hmm. That cash flow, that's cash flow positive mm-hmm. and in your price range. Mm-hmm. If you can. Yeah. And if you can't, partner with us. Yeah. Like pretty simple, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's like we said, it's not that easy to do it. But no. I, I don't know. 
am I off base here? Like, no, no, this- no, 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 no. It's just happening. It's, it's as simple as that. What's happened already in Canada and what's continually happening, continuously happening in our country is happening across the border. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 this pandemic has essentially almost like exposed it. It actually has exposed it almost to some extent. I agree. Yeah. So, um, so I think Canada and U.S. When we zoom out and say, um, what is, what's the long term trajectory for real estate in both of these countries? Mm. Like over twenty or thirty years, just just factor it in. No supply. U.S. is two two to four million homes short. We know we're chronically short in Canada. Yeah, and that's another thing too that we didn't touch on. Like U.S. has a a significant higher uh, or a significant yeah a significant higher shortage than Canada does, yeah, even on a percentage basis. Yeah, which is pretty crazy given yeah, the population th- there. Yeah, yeah, they actually are. They're yeah. significantly higher. So significant shortage, and then yeah. you can pinpoint those spots pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with the pandemic shift from mm-hmm. people moving to those certain places. Mm-hmm. And then just like we talk about it all the time, <clears throat> it's so obvious. You got oceanfront property, mm-hmm. Florida, you got great weather. Mm-hmm. You got cheap real estate, Relatively, I think the average price of floors is like three hundred grand. Yeah, cheaper than Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, so so the the way that the way that I look at both countries and even both, uh, you know, even when you compare, say, even Windsor to doesn't even matter Fort Lauderdale, Miami, or or whatever the case is, when you actually look at that on a per unit basis, it's all relative. It's all relative to where you're from. Places in the U.S. they're on sale to me, like significantly. They're yeah. like fifty percent on sale. They're on sale, and they should be more. Yeah. They should. They, they should. They be. have stronger fundamentals. They have. They have, they have better a, location. Yeah. They globally. Have, yeah. Globally. So so it, it's pretty wild to me, and that's that's one of the reasons why we're over there. Yeah. And probably uh, higher returns, too, yeah. especially now, mm-hmm. um, and especially for the large stuff. Yeah. You know. So for sure. Um, but yeah. Overall, like you know, the the appreciation we're seeing in Canada is outrageous. I mean, it, it's. Um, will that continue? I don't know, but I mean, like. Like, what did we see? Like a 43% appreciation year in over Windsor year? Windsor specifically, 43% year over That's year. That's insane. It's wild. That it's is wild. insane. It honestly is. Like, it, it will get to the point where it, w- like, it won't cash flow. Like, it oh, just yeah. won't. It just won't. Yeah. Like, people people aren't going to pay five grand in rent. Like, something has to happen. And that what what's going to happen is, like, very interesting. Like, you they, and I were talking about, yeah. like... I'll say this, though. Yeah. Like, because, because of the fundamentals... The fundamentals of rent drivers as well, because rents are rising really quickly now. Mm-hmm. I bet you rents are rising at a similar pace, percentage-wise. Similar. So because rents are rising in Windsor specifically, uh, in correlation with prices, at some point it'll tip out. But rents are still relatively low relative to the rest of the market as well. So like this could take five, six, seven years mm-hmm. in Windsor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or it just top out where you don't cash flow. What, might, I, what, I, what I'm quicker, super but. curious about is how the government's going to. I'm already. I'm starting to see a lot of comments on posts saying the government needs to step in. The government needs to shut this down. They need to control the rent. They need to do this. They need to do that. Has the government showed any willingness to do that? No, of course not. But will they? I don't know. Good question. Right. So, so will they take the? Will they go the route of like say a uh, uh, a very you know socialist type of city like New York or L.A. or whatever, where they actually institute rent control versus say for example a government policy like Section Eight, where they make up the difference to, to what somebody can or yeah. can't afford. So, I mean, obviously Section Eight would be much better of a scenario. Be very positive, but, for but it also doesn't seem like our government. I actually don't think our government would actually do something like that. That's the problem because a Section 8 scenario is still kind of a little bit of like a capitalistic type of... Uh, it's a hybrid. Yeah, it's, it's, hybrid. it's like, a, but it's still like, yeah, it's, it still like has this capitalistic kind of uh, venture about about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 don't, I don't know that they would go that route. Well, what would they do then? I don't well, know. What do you think they I, would do? I'm almost thinking like in, in cities that... I, with everything going on, it would not surprise me in cities that are growing the fastest, they, they start doing rent control. And what does that look like? You can't charge more than X? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it would, it would be something like uh, maybe um, according to your average income of the, of the, the surrounding area or the submarket or the market. I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but that's going to, I mean, it would really kill things. It would, it would affect a lot the, of things. Here's the thing that people don't understand. Landlords provide an invaluable product to the market, which mm-hmm. is rental properties, mm-hmm. which are sorely needed, and we need way more of them. Mm-hmm. You come out and attack landlords and limit the, their ability to make rent or to make their 
uh, to make it profitable or to at least cover their costs, you're you're gonna you're gonna hurt the renters. Well, think about this: they've already hurt landlords. I'm owed like eighty grand. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like you for know sure. what I mean? Like you you can't evict people right now. So like they think you think they care? Yeah, they obviously don't. So they literally you have our premier and and uh, and 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 prime minister coming out telling everybody that like, Hey, you don't have to pay your rent and landlords, you better not make them <laughs> like, so, so that, that, I don't have any confidence with that. Like, yeah, but they're zero. not, they're not hurting the renter there. They're hurting the landlord. So I'm talking about but what you I'm just saying said is, hurting the landlord. No, I said hurting the renters because if you hammer the people that pr- produce the product, which is landlords, we're producing a, a product for you to mm-hmm. rent. And if you make it so that I can't produce that product, I won't produce it. Then the, the, the renters won't have anywhere to rent. They'll still won't be able to hold, by house, so what I'm saying is they're in. They would be inadvertently hurting renters. Yeah, in the in the not and, and landlords, but they they would make it less. We I, need I, more I, rental I, properties. I, I agree. I still don't yeah. think people in the short term would not buy real estate. That's what I'm saying. But in the long term, it would affect it significantly. People just go. People just go wherever they make money. And that's it. Or they change their investment strategy. That's it. But I do think Canada would opt in for something like that. Do I think it would stick? Probably not. Uh, do I think they would try to come up with something different because they could see the writing on the wall, like what you're saying? Like, why the fuck would somebody buy a rental property if, like, you're not even literally making any money whatsoever? Like, it makes no yeah. sense. Well, but you would know do it. You would do it for appreciation, exactly. And what we're talking about right now, the 30 year projection yeah. of Canadian real estate, you're probably still going to make and, pretty and, good and, money. And who knows? Let me, let's play devil's advocate. Maybe the government decides, hey, you know what? Everybody's making 30, 20%, say, call it 20, 25% year over year on their rental properties. Who gives a fuck if the, if the landlords aren't making their cash flow? Who cares? Maybe, Maybe yeah. I don't know. That's, Maybe. Like, the, pro- the, the, the problem with me is um, our government has fucked up so much that having like a rent control scenario just wouldn't surprise me. They That's would, the problem. Here's the thing: they would screw up. They would screw that up too, and of then course. landlords would find a way to profit off it. Somehow. Of course, and but again, it still wouldn't surprise me if no, they you're put right. something in there. It like, wouldn't surprise me. Or at all. maybe, maybe you know, uh, you know, one policy would go in there, then they change it because it fucked up, or like who knows what, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know, they do this and they backpedal. I don't know, but at the end of the day, like we clearly have fucking idiots running our country. Yeah. So you know, from this perspective, it's hard to say. Like, would they do it? I don't know. Maybe that'd be worst case scenario. But you, you know, I, but could, I could see it happening. Yeah, I could spin something like this. Okay, you put rent control properties. Sorry, you put rent controls and you limit landlords' ability to make money. Less landlords supply the rental properties to the market. That makes less rental properties on the market. That drives up rental pre- rental um, amounts across the board. I agree, but here's the thing too: like, it's not like it's not like um, it's not like this doesn't exist. Like this exists, but in what form? I, I don't know the exact form. Yeah, we got to figure that out. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. love to figure this out because, like, it, you know, yeah. this does exist. Yeah, like my rent, personal, rent control exists. My personal, and, and what's crazy too is rent control exists in literally typically the hottest markets. Yeah, for sure. So, and the properties still go up fucking significantly in yes, value because so, those rent control properties have adverse effects. They mm-hmm. they will. There will be a counter force to that and it'll make less supply. It'll drive demand, you know, just like the 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. You go after me one way, well, it's going to drive, I'm not going to liquidate my property. It's going to mm-hmm. make my property more expensive. I'm going to make more money on appreciation. And sometimes you make more money on appreciation than you do in rent, by the way, because you have leverage. All the time. All the time. Mostly. People need to understand this. I didn't in the first fucking five years Same. of investing, but at the end of the day. Appreciation is underappreciated. Yeah. Way underappreciated yeah. in the investor community because everybody. And their mother on YouTube is saying, don't invest for appreciation, which I generally agree with, but you need to appreciate it because you have leveraged five to one leverage returns on appreciation. Windsor's market just increased 40%. What's five times 40%? It's 200%. So my property that's worth 300 grand, I only put 60 grand down. Now it's worth 550. I just made 200% on my Mm $60,000 or, you know, rough numbers, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't make, I didn't double my money. I tripled it. Mm-hmm. Five to one leverage. Mm-hmm. I, maybe even five times that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either way, either way, right? So whenever the government does one thing, it always counterbalances in another way. And I just go make money that way. Then. Of course. I, I but like, let's, let's be honest. Who does the government usually pander to? They, here's the, th- we always talk about this, dude. It's double speak. They pander to, they tell, they tell the middle class and poor mm-hmm. one thing. 
but their policies actually make the rich richer, which is what's happening right now. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. They're coming out. They're, they, oh. and, and maybe they're too fucking naive to actually fi- like realize that, that if they do a rent control scenario, it's actually just going to force appreciation. Yes. So, so at the end of the day, but, at, but, but here you have an, here, here where it is, the, the, the lower and middle class are, are going to praise them for it. That's the fucking problem. They and don't I lo- see I lo- it. They I love don't it. fucking I love see it. it. They're, they're incapable they, of seeing it. You're bang on. And I love it. I love it because I used to fight these policies. Oh, this is stupid. They shouldn't yeah. be doing this. Now I'm like, you know what? Keep doing it. I'm, I yeah. got all these rental Your properties. fucked up shit helps us. Good. Yeah. And you keep voting for these guys, mm-hmm. you know, keep voting for uh, these policies. Yeah. Keep doing it. I'll, yeah. I'll make more money. Even if I, I don't necessarily yeah. agree with it. If anybody is listening to this and is in the middle class or, you know, the lower middle class or the lower class, whatever, and you're asking for the government to help you out, the government will fuck you so hard yeah. <laughs> and and you won't even know it. No, not they will. They are. They are. They are too. Yeah. Right yeah. And, and, and like the government is incapable of doing anything yeah. correctly you, you or gotta, good or good. Yeah. Who who got hammered in this pandemic? Small businesses. Yeah. Who's a small business owner? It's like they generally you're not you're not over, you're not the most successful. Mm-hmm. You know, running a restaurant is already difficult mm-hmm. to be super profitable. Yeah. You got smoked. Your little mom and pop shop on the corner got absolutely smoked. While yeah. I order everything from Amazon and Walmart. Yeah. They're open. Everybody's so you got I, again those policies have hammered you. Yet you're still generally manipulated to vote for those policies. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing too. The government always talks about going after the rich, but they don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. They don't actually do it. They just do it on paper. Mm-hmm. They just make people think they're going after rich. Those policies don't really affect the rich. No. They actually end up backhandedly affecting the poor. Now, here's the thing. Actually, like the previous administration uh, under Trump actually helped the poor middle class mm-hmm. um, while also helping, you know, in, in a lot of ways, also helping um, wealthy people and landlords. Mm-hmm. Like everybody kind of, Mm-hmm. Gets gets better, right? It creates mm-hmm. more economic opportunity and equality, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of gets gets more wealthy together. Mm-hmm. Um, yet everybody's attacking him as like as making the rich richer. Mm-hmm. When in reality, look what's happening right now under these yeah. socialist policies. It's it, actually the exact exactly. reverse. We, we wouldn't be having this conversation if um, if these socialist policies weren't uh, an advantage for us. Like I, I actually want them to happen over there so that we can take advantage of them. Which is real sad. estate prices are going to Which is sad and I actually don't want to see it. Yeah. I, I don't want to see it happen. It's not It's not my belief system. But if it's going to happen, there's nothing you can really do about it. You might as well take you, advantage you, of it. Which side do you want to be on? Yeah. You want to be on the middle class side that's getting absolutely burned by inflation mm-hmm. and rising prices and lower buying, buying power mm-hmm. and the inability to buy a house and increase your lifestyle? Or do you want to be the asset owners that are getting more and more wealthy off of socialist policies that make it very difficult to build, create, mm-hmm. and basically cause inflation by low, lower supply, um, higher taxation. Why do you think gas right now is 133? Well, because mm-hmm. of the carbon tax yeah. and because we can't uh, pump our own oil here. Same within the U.S., right? Like mm-hmm. they, they shut down a lot of the oil fields and now mm-hmm. we import everything and it raises costs. Like yeah. it's just, it's common sense. So which mm-hmm. side of the fence do you want to be on? And then let's talk about minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And, and who, are they, who are they panning? Who, who are they pandering to with even the oil and gas and everything? Yep. Uh, Same Generally the, the middle class that mm-hmm. is pro-environment. Yep. Oh yeah, look, shut it down, shut it down. Yep. Not realizing like you're getting, a he- that's a heavy tax that you don't even realize that you're paying mm-hmm. it. But your, your gas bill just went up 25, 30% yep. for this year. And then your natural gas bill mm-hmm. and then your utility costs go up and you're getting burned, but the rich are getting richer. They don't care, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 20% increase in my gas bill doesn't matter to me. Yeah. It's a very small percentage of my income yeah. or wealth or whatever. Yeah. Um, but for you, that's a more significant percentage. So yeah. like, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. So the yeah. point is, is, is to help you to get on the other side of this fence mm-hmm. or to continue getting burned. And then I just mentioned uh, minimum wage as well. Like, mm-hmm. That's coming in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that's going to do to real estate prices? Oh my goodness! And <laughs> rental prices. Yeah, um, it's going to be insane. They, that might cause a double mm-hmm. over a decade. Mm-hmm. Just that alone, because yeah. you'd be, in Florida, you'd be doubling minimum wage from seven to fifteen. Yeah, and that's a federal thing. That can't happen. It can happen. It can. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. minimum. Yeah. So states have a lot of power, but yeah. that is a federal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that. Money, money always finds its way into assets, mm-hmm. always, because that same amount of money, right? The, the government's printing money right now and giving money to everybody. Mm-hmm. That money always goes into assets. 
So a $15 minimum wage doubling people's buying power is going to go into real estate Mm -hmm. businesses. Mm -hmm. It's going to go to Walmart, Amazon, small businesses, restaurants, Mm -hmm. and it's going to go into rent and people buying houses. Mm -hmm. Look at what, look at what it did over here. When, when minimum wage went up 22%, like overnight, remember that? Yeah. Massive percentage increase. Skyrocketed in value here. Like skyrocketed. It also skyrocketed inflation and cost of, of good. So Everything. it actually, again, smoked the middle class yep. and the poor more than anything. Mm-hmm. Although the middle class think, oh yeah, like my, my kid works at McDonald's. He's going to be making 15 bucks an hour now. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah you're, you're go, pay- go, yeah. go liberals. Yeah. Let's yeah. vote liberal. Yeah. That's awesome. And people that understand these policies and how to take advantage of them are also like, yeah, go liberals. I'm going to go buy more real estate. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't understand this mm-hmm. before. I didn't understand inflation. I didn't understand these policies and how they impact real estate. And that's the point of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So you can understand them. And then get on the right side of that mm-hmm. of, of that fence. Mm-hmm. So I'm I disagree with the policies. Mm-hmm. I think they hurt the country. I, hurt, I think they hurt the average Canadian yeah, citizen. They hurt, the, they hurt the people, but they help the wealthy asset owners yeah. and business owners. Like that minimum wage increase, if uh, they did it in the states, would how much of that would find its way into Canadian protein? For instance, um, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. what percentage of people work out at the gym? Yeah. You know, like, and now they got an extra three, four hundred bucks a month yeah. to spend. You think For they're sure. going to go invest that? Yeah. No, they're going to spend it. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it's just the way it is. So it goes mm-hmm. back into the economy. Yeah. And it drives everything higher. Mm-hmm. If you don't own a business or assets, then you're on the wrong side of the fence. Right. So I, I guess the point here is that like the long term fundamentals of North American real estate, Canada and US is like incredibly strong mm-hmm. because of inflation. Socialist government policies, mm-hmm. lack of supply, um, rising minimum wages based on those policies, mm-hmm. and what else? What else? Yeah, no, it really it really comes yeah. down to population growth. Yeah, it really it really comes down to uh, government policies and uh, and then basic fundamentals. Fuck, it's, of it's supply literally and it. Like it, it can, all all of those little factors can be all tied back to you know immigration's government policy, the socialist type of uh, you know strategies of government policy. The, the restrictions, the red tape for, for development, that's a government policy. Like these are all, yeah. whether it's federal, provincial, municipal, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's, all, it's all government. Yeah. It's all, you need to take those policies and then filter them through. How is this going to impact supply and demand? That's mm-hmm. what this is all about. Increase minimum wage, increase demand. Here, here's here's how, what it can be tied to. A, a socialist government wants bigger government. And when you have and when you have bigger government, I see it in companies all the time. So so with our uh one second. Jesse, where are we? Okay, we're good. Okay. So I see this all the time with our even our like Canadian protein and, and our contract manufacturing. To get something done with the larger companies takes forever. It has to go through 84 people. 100%. Uh uh and nothing can get you know I, we're working with one company right now it's a fairly larger company out of it's not in, in, in our country but it's a different country we're literally it's been like 16 months to try to launch their product line and we're like how the fuck is it taking yeah. this long it's outrageous we actually I, I actually had to tell them like listen you you have to you have to get going here or we, we I have to stop working with you this is insane but they're a huge company and they have so much red tape and they're, they're so big, it's got to go through all these different channels and this and that. So the government works the exact same way. So when you have a socialist government- The government they, just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, the government keeps yeah. on getting bigger. They're trying to enforce power on the people and that's what ends up happening. Nothing can fucking get done. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think, you know, maybe they do or maybe they don't, but maybe they don't even mean to restrict the, the, the population, right? It's a good, yeah, it's a good Maybe point, they don't yeah. even mean to do it. Yeah. But the, fucking ma- the fact of the matter is- they're, they're so happened. incompetent. They have so many people that are incompetent that they can't fucking help it. Yeah. yeah. So it naturally gets restricted. Another thing too, I, I always say is if I go to the city of Windsor right now and try to get building permits or whatever, you think the person behind that counter cares? Oh, like they, they don't care. To a certain shit. extent, you're yeah. on a pension and you get paid and you can't get fired basically when you work for the government. So, and they don't, there's, it's not for profit. Mm-hmm. So that organization is not a for profit organization. And you feel it when you walk into these government yeah, places. Don't give a shit. Nobody cares. Cause you don't get paid for your performance. Yeah. You, don't you get, thought you worked for the government. I worked for it. And I worked at the headquarters of my, <laughs> of the CBSA in Ottawa yeah. for three years. We had meetings where we would go in for an hour and then just all we got accomplished was to reschedule the meeting. And that went on for months. <laughs> Are you serious? For months. Nothing really? got done. Wow. People are making decisions from yeah. that don't have anything to do or understand our job at all. And the decisions are coming from people that don't know 
what we actually do every day. Wow. Like it's actually uh, insane. <laughs> so it, it, like it was insane. That's why I had to really, leave. Eh? I had to, I, cu- I couldn't understand it. Wow. Like, you know. and then, so, so, so that, that's a perfect insight that you worked for the government. And do people think that's any fucking different at any other different type of uh, part of the government? It's all the fucking same yeah, shit. Yeah. If anything, it's even fucking worse. Right, because when you, yeah, I mean, I would, go, go. I would go into work every day, and I get paid the same no matter what. Yeah, doesn't matter my level of productivity. Mm-hmm. That guy can do ten times more work than me. I get paid the exact same. Yeah, I can take a forty-five minute lunch instead of a thirty-minute. Mm-hmm. Get paid the same. Yeah, it so, so you, you almost have you almost have a scenario where naturally, when that when you have an environment like that, you are naturally going to be, um, you know, I guess enticed by this carrot that I was like, like, yeah. using like a carrot as an example. Carrot and a stick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fucking carrot and a stick to see who can do the least amount of shit <laughs> yeah. and get paid the exact same. Yeah. You see what I mean? Because why oh, the yeah. fuck it devolves? Yeah. Why would you, Productivity why, exactly. devolves. why yeah. would you do any more if you're not going to get paid? You're, you're so, not. so, so on the other, on the flip side of this, on like a, a non-socialist government, you have a scenario where they want to restrict government policies and pull back on government intervention. Let the free market Let decide. the free market, yeah. the private sector to take over, which is because they're always hyper-efficient. hyper-efficient. Because it's for profit. Exactly. So you, you, so you have a scenario where you end up, the people of the country end up benefiting because the person paying for the benefit also gets it. And then you also have a situation where uh the government lost my train. They step out of the way. The government yeah, gets. The, yeah, the government. They're, they're there to exactly. provide a basic playing field. Yeah, and to protect certain exactly. roles. But in general, they're out of the way because the yeah. private sector is hyper efficient. Yeah, exactly. Government. That's doesn't. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So whenever you have, it, it creates competition, yes. and competition drives down fucking prices and increases quality. Yeah. Done. And increases that's fucking productivity. It. That's it. Increases but that all that all GDP. plays in. Yeah, yeah, and that all plays into like the. Uh, the whole yeah. Whenever yeah. you have, whenever you you have Big government, yeah, is slow and it is inefficient. And when you understand that Canada has a big government, you oh, can project man. out 30 years and say this housing problem will continue Our prime minister doesn't even make the fucking decisions in our country. Yeah, it's got to go back to fucking the crown. <laughs> like what the fuck? So, 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 so exactly. So yeah. you have a situation where in our country it's fucking too big. It's too bloated. It's run by incompetent people. So you have a situation where there's a limited amount of company. We see it in predominantly our our cell phone industry, where you only have like really big three. It, we've actually blocked U.S. carriers from coming over here. Okay, we've restricted it. Canada is what the like one of the highest. I think it's like the second highest cell phone. Uh, we have the second highest cell phone bills, that, like or contracts or whatever, in the entire world. Yeah, yeah, the fuck is that about? Oh, well, and we, it, we're telling you what it's about. Exactly, because <laughs> right? like, of competition. Yeah. Canada's restricting the, its competition. Yeah. Uh, how about airlines? I don't know. Air Canada? The fuck? Yeah. Like, why? Why oh, does it cost me fucking seventeen hundred dollars to fly to Florida, and if I drive half hour to Detroit, <laughs> it costs me a hundred and thirty? Yeah. Like, that we're makes telling no, you why? That's no sense. Yeah. Exactly. What, what, what it is, is it's competition. The U.S. allows competition. Canada restricts yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So what we're saying is, is Canada, we're just five, ten years ahead of the curve. Yeah. We can see the writing on the wall. That's happening over there. Yeah, definitely. So, heavy, heavy so w- again, when you have bigger government, people should not want bigger government intervention. All these people talking about government intervention, you are hurting yourself long term. Maybe in the short term, uh, um, you, th- you, yeah. you, you, you might think, oh, you know, like your minimum wage. Oh, that's great. Went up to like, you know, 1425 or whatever the case is. That's all great. But do you know, you're, you're like, you're fucking yourself. Yeah. Like the, the right answer is, is Free your market. worth. What? Free market. Yeah, right exactly. You're worth what you're worth. Yeah. That's the market it. Decides. Exactly. The market decides what you're worth. And if you're worth shit, you get paid shit. If you're worth uh, I, I, more value that you get paid more value. That, that's it's, it's the only it's way to run a successful it really business is. or country. And like you said, the government, the only place that the government should have is to ensure uh, there's no corruption. There's a, uh, a fair playing field or whatever the case is that that's it. They should yeah. not, they should not step in and dictate what you can and can't buy, what you can and can't make all that, what you can and can't, or who you can and can't sell to. Like, no, they should not do that. Who, who can, who can and can't come into the country. They should not do that. Force fucking competition. But here we are. Yeah. Now, again, if you understand these policies, uh, which 
Which side of the fence do you want to be on? Of course. Okay. It, the asset owners right now love this. Yeah. Okay. Amazon loves what's happening in the mm-hmm. US. Keep the lockdowns going. Why do you think these fucking big players are like siding with the governments they side with? Do you think it's a fucking people, mystery? Yeah. And people need to understand as well, like Amazon, you know how much they spend on lobbying every year? Like <laughs> to lobby government officials. You know how much like, they're, they're paying, like people are making money politically off these big Why do you think he owns the fucking, all these news outlets, yeah. Jeff Bezos? What do you think? What, because they make a ton of money? Yeah. No. They control the airways. Exactly, and they push agendas. That's yeah. it. It's fucking- and their agenda right now, like, what do you, what do you think? You think Pfizer and Moderna don't want uh, mandatory vaccinations? Of course. Like, they're, they're going to make billions off this. <laughs> of like, course. Of course they're going to push that. Like, yeah. well, I, And I can't even fault them. I would yeah. too if I was a business I think, owner. I, I think I saw a thing about Pfizer that- uh, they were they were scheduled to make like twenty eight billion dollars in like the first quarter yeah. of this year, yeah, twenty twenty one. I think it was something like that. Something stupid, yeah, like something fucking just simply based off that vaccine. Yeah, that's outrageous. Yeah, what's, it's kind of weird. Like we're getting all these. This is a business. Yeah, we're getting all these free. The government's so like, oh, free. Everybody gets the vaccine. It's free. Nobody has to pay for it. Well, what about insulin and yeah. all these other things? Why aren't those free? Why why doesn't the government cover the cost of those? Mm-hmm. It'd be cheaper than probably doing what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. Is it really the health? Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. But anyways, but these policies are being pushed by big businesses mm-hmm. that are benefiting from it. And if you're not on the right side of this, the business owners and the asset owners, then you're losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're on the losing team, basically. Sure. And it's not that hard to get on the other side. Just start no. owning assets. No. Yeah. Start, start starting you don't, businesses. You don't have to, you know, I, th- I think it's clear like, you know, you and I, don't like it what's happening on like a, a, a at the human level mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we don't have investor to, level we don't have to like it yeah it's not it's not yeah, you can't fight it right? you, like a, what am i gonna do go go pick it on the street with a big sign no i'm yeah. gonna go profit off of it i'm yeah. gonna go down to florida where the fundamentals are insane mm-hmm. i'm gonna go down to texas arizona all these great states and i'm gonna make i'm gonna profit off whatever government policy they happen to implement yeah Long, yeah, long that's term, the only way to do it. Long term, at the end of the day, the government is the one that is dictating what's going on in these markets. And when you have the government dictating what's going on in these markets, this is the situation that you have. Skyrocketing asset values, that is yeah. it. And, and I guess to, to wrap up, our point of this podcast was to look over the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years at Canadian and US real estate and say, okay, what are prices going to be in 30 years? Mm-hmm. And if I buy something now, is it going to be more expensive in 20 to 30 years? And we're telling you yes, because of population growth, inflation, red tape, government policy is all pushing those asset prices higher. Mm-hmm. I always buy with a 20 plus year mentality and I hold for that period of time as well. In 20 years, my real estate will be worth more than it is now. Stop waiting. Yeah. Stop waiting.